Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Luke O'Shea has won a lot of golden guitars, 16, and two of those he won this year for his song Southeast Queensland and its video, and that was no surprise to me at all. The last time Luke won a golden guitar for a video was actually last year for Long Way Round with Ashley Dallas, and he has now reunited with Ashley for the single Next Best Thing, which is also the title of his forthcoming album, so I have a bit to ask him about. Hi, Luke. Hi, Seth. How are you going, mate? I'm very well, thank you, and it's good to see you uh, with those lovely windows behind you. Um, (laughs) Uh, there's always a story isn't there always a story with me in our interviews so uh no I'm currently at a mate's house down Stanwell Park and it's beautiful and uh but I forgot my hat so uh he he did give me a range of hats to try out but they're just not quite me but uh you know if you guys can you know recognize me without a hat then no stress it's all good and so in that isn't that a lovely little pot with flowers in it? It is. And I think you're distinctive enough without your hat, Luke, so we can handle it. We can handle it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but I'll start by asking you, do you remember the first time you ever collaborated with Ashley Dallas? Ah, uh, oh, the first time. Oh, hang on. <laughs> Sorry. There's the alarm to say, I've got you coming up. Did that work? It did. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the first time, uh, well, she was probably about seven years old, uh, and I was about 48. No, she's still so young and like, she's the walking beam sunshine. And, uh, my first memory of Ash was just, uh, she came up with the golden guitars and she had her hair up in this, like these tiny little buns and she's going, hello, how are you? And she's only this big, like little. And I said, wow, you're like a cute little Ewok you know, out of Star Wars. And she went, and we've been good friends ever since. And um, I just love her energy and her attitude to music and life. And uh, it's, uh, it's just feels right. You know, when you find that people in this planet, there's a lot of people on this planet, but there's very few that actually get me to begin with, you know, my wicked sense of humor and, um, and she's all over it. And so we found it really fun to collaborate and that, the plan is just aligned with a uh, long way around and her ability to dance. And I knew we could have a lot of fun with that and the way that it connected with a lot of people out there. And particularly we working with JC we were able to edit up a video that won us that golden guitar for mm-hmm. video of the year. And um, I think people just felt that, that love and respect that we have for each other. And we always thought we'd like to do more. Mm-hmm. And then she was doing a, a, a writing uh, exercise with a group of her friends and we were just chatting one night and she said, Oh, it's, something about them. this could be my next best thing. And I'm just going, and as songwriters, you just wait for those bolts of lightning to strike, you know, where you get a few words that paint a really big picture mm-hmm. and the double entendre of the, those few words, next best thing, it can mean a few different things. And I like that. And so um, I think I just hung up on it and said, I'll be, I'll be in touch in a second, you know, and, um, and I'd been mucking around uh, old Patty Griffith had passed and um, I was a massive fan of her and a particular song. And uh, just, uh, I was trying to work out one of his songs, Love at the Five and Dime. And it's a beautiful song for any of your listeners out there that don't know it. But um, 
she uses this really weird alternate tuning and I was just mucking around with that and I'd, I'd, I'd lucked into a really nice riff which now features as the riff for uh, Next Best Thing and uh, I called up Ash and said, look, look, you initially sparked this song off and uh, it is about, it's a quite nostalgic song where you think about the ebbs and the flows of things that are really important in your life and as you grow older, you know, you find that connection with uh, usually your husband or your wife or the person that you want to lock on your life partner uh, as being the ultimate next best thing in your life. And uh, But as kids, you know, it might be a skateboard or a surfboard or a bike or a dress or who knows what. And um, so, yeah, it touches on that. And it's uh, a lot of fun from a boy's and a girl's perspective. Mm-hmm. So you just mentioned the spark that happened for you when she said those words, next best thing. Is that usually how you write songs? You just collect those sparks and do something with them? Or sometimes do you just have to sit down and grind it out for lack of a better term? Yeah, look, uh, every little snowflake's different and same with songs. It's just uh, it can be, a you know, like a lightning bolt where there's a couple of words that paint a very big canvas or it can be something that you feel is really integral, a story to get out. Uh, there's one punishing me at the moment, just uh, what, what we have left, it's called, just after reading an incredible book on called Darawal, you know, and it talks about just how pristine and the utopian kind of uh, ecosystem the Aboriginals are part of in this region, this part of the world where I am right now, and it's it's quite a very special part in Australia. And uh, within a very short amount of time, we've done our best to really ruin a lot of it, and we've lost a lot of incredible things, the giant red cedars and... Uh, a lot of the waterways and uh, the coastlines um, have been uh, irreversibly damaged. And, and it's it's a way that uh, I think it's essential that we do look after what we still have and pass it on to our grandkids to make sure they can also feel just how special this part of the world is and how incredibly lucky we are to live in Australia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's, that's sorry, not a long way around of saying there's, there's no two ways that songs come about, you know, the same, like some can morph out of a book that you read or a word or a conversation or another lyric or seeing somebody else play something anywhere, a coconut falling on your head, who knows? <laughs> but I guess that's also your commitment to staying open to those ideas coming to you because I do think it's a, it can be a decision for an artist just staying open or being closed to things. And maybe it's, it's also to do with what's going on in your life. You may not have the time or energy to pursue an idea when it comes. So you may have to close the gate for a while, but it does seem like you are fairly often open to ideas. Yeah. Well, that's the the blessing and the curse of being a songwriter because once one of those lines takes hold of you, then it's not going to let go. The muse is a very determined uh, influence in your life. And um, when she strikes, she demands discipline in order to see it through. There's a hell of a lot of great musicians out there and I suppose potential songwriters that get a line and they say, I'll get back to that later on. But part of the craft and part of the wicker of songwriting is that you you see it through and you it tortures you, you know. It'll wake you up in the middle of the night and uh, won't let go of you until you put the right series of words into a right phrasing or there's a, just enough syllables for this line that ties up this key word at the end of the chorus and it's, it's those little things that do torture you uh, at times, but do keep your brain focused on something 
other than, you know, what's on Netflix or, you know, who's running in the third court field, you know, it's just, there's, everyone's got their passions. Everyone's got their thing. Some people love Sudoku, some jigsaw puzzles, some crosswords, uh, mine's just, uh, songwriting. Mm -hmm. But back to the collaboration with Ashley, I have noticed that when you collaborate with other artists, they tend to be golden guitar winners. Amber Lawrence, Split <laughs> Vitel, you have set a very high bar with this. Uh, well, I'm just very grateful that people would like to collaborate with me. It, it, it includes me into worlds that are not normally my own, like with Mitch Lynham. You know, it's uh, here's a young horsebreaker from Gatton in southeast Queensland talking about, you know, we were set up to write together a DAG songwriters retreat there and um, coming from very different worlds. And uh, by tapping into his experiences and his friends' experiences, we were able to uh, create a pretty comprehensive song which did connect with a lot of people out there and continues to. Um, I get a lot of lovely messages, does Mitch, you know, and Fred Smith who inspired that song large, like a lot by his incredible album, The Dust of Years Gone. Um, we really wanted a right to support those returned veterans where we feel they're not being supported by the government that trained them up and deployed them into uh, these hellish holes, as in, you know, which led to the experiences that they had, which they find hard to let go, particularly once you're trying to assimilate back into this idealistic lifestyle that we have here. And particularly so if you're from southeast Queensland, one in four people who enrol in the Australian Defence Force are from that region. So when you get um, the PTSD and the post-traumatic stress disorder that uh, greatly affects these individuals and then their family units and beyond, that affects communities as a whole and then that region. And, um, you know, there's a lot of money that's spent, you know, in equipping and recruiting and deploying these people. But we need to see that investment reciprocated once they return and help them assimilate back into a normal lifestyle. And that's not happening. And so that's that's a long way around again of me saying that I'm very blessed to be included into people's worlds so that I can, you know, at least uh, approach it with a, a slightly different perspective that might help connect the two worlds of people who are in that area and to people who like myself are yet unaware of what mm -hmm. that world's about and that doesn't have to be about a return veteran that can be about being a rev head uh it could be about being a minor uh at the turn of the century it can be about um you know being a, a line dancer <laughs> who knows you know it's just uh, it mixes it up and that's what keeps it forever interesting to me it's just different and uh, I feel very blessed to uh be able to do that since we've been talking about southeast Queensland I will stay on that for a second and, and mention the video for which you won the golden guitar which you co-directed with Jay Cini. now the song itself is very powerful and the first time I saw the video and I have watched it several times because it's such an extraordinary piece of work and has such a massive impact and I can't actually think of a video like it. And it intercuts um, footage from soldiers in the field with shots, well, footage from southeast Queensland, that lifestyle you talked about. And it is shocking in a way. So it does do its job of shocking the viewer, I think, even if they hadn't heard the mm. song first. I'm wondering if you had that concept from the start since it was something that you and Jay created together. Absolutely. Like it's... Um... It might go down in Golden Guitar history as having the first F-bomb dropped in it. But again, the deliberate choice of uh, 
using a swear word is uh, there to shock. Mm-hmm. And the story is shocking. Uh, the way that we deal with our return veterans is shocking. What they've experienced overseas is shocking. The whole thing is meant to really confront and to break people out of their lounge rooms mm-hmm. and into a world of empathy where they can then add pressure upon their council members or their local member for parliament to do something about supporting these veterans and family members because they are in a horrible state of limbo, which is hell. A lot of them, you know, they get the, yeah, you've got problems, but then they pass those problems on to the insurance companies, which then say, well, kids, you're on your own and uh, we'll, we'll drag this out for as long as possible. And if you decide to kind of take yourself out, well, that's one less payment that we have to worry about. You know, it's, it's that horrible. And so the only way that I thought we could share that experience, and you know, it was like the visual is very, very powerful. And like in being a high school teacher, I realised that this generation coming through, you know, um, really do resonate with the visual stimulus mm-hmm. where they can connect the, the lyric with the visual and the mental. And um, once you start seeing the helmet cam footage from these soldiers that they they deliberately set up and they deliberately uploaded onto YouTube so that they could share Mm -hmm. what they were experiencing over there so that we would have a better understanding. And I think Fred Smith says it best, you know, uh, he says, with our return veterans, we don't have to lionise them. We don't have to pity them, but we Mm -hmm. do have to have some level of understanding so that we don't have another generation of lost Australians and strangers walking amongst us as we did with Vietnam. And uh, if we're not going to learn from our mistakes from the past, then more for us, you know, we've let everybody down. So my job as a songwriter is to sing up our past so that we can learn from it, be that through songs like Happy Australia Day, be that things through like Southeast Queensland, be that through songs, I don't know, I seem to be always be starting fights, but uh, sing you up and different areas where we, we have to start learning from the mistakes of the past, even Hey Jumbler talking about the constant corporate greed over the, the health and safety of our, our miners and our workers in our communities. It's just, it frustrates me when we don't learn from the mistakes of the past. And so, you know, there's a massive part of my personality, which is just about entertaining and making sure, and, and once upon a time, I was about keeping the dance floors full. And it was about closing the crowbars up and giving me, it was about making sure the BNSs and radios still went off and they drank a lot of rum. But as I've gotten older, I, that doesn't appeal. What appeals to me is, is writing a song with the lyrics that will strike a chord and connect deeply. That'll make somebody think, and then hopefully then act mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, for the betterment of this country and the next generations to follow. Mm-hmm. But I still think you do that with a song like next best thing, because the bigger project is documenting the human condition. And I don't think that's too, too big grandiose a project or grandiose a term to say, I do think your work is about, whether it's a whether it's coastal town or whether it's open card or you know it, it's you know that you are finding these experiences to write about, and it's not necessarily about a field of war, but or theatre of war, but it's it's just about being alive. It's it's about finding the the lovely things in life and dealing with the difficult things. And I think next best thing is an example of that. It's entertaining. It's meaningful. And so it's meaningful entertainment, which is a great thing. Thanks. Well, that's deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad right. you picked up on it. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, 
it's very satisfying when people like yourself and your listeners actually cotton on to that and just go, well, it's a light, happy song, but there is a little message if you want to take away from it as well. And uh, there is. There always is. And, like, it's very true to my existence, man. Those cars, the freedom that was associated with a car was the next best thing, mm-hmm. you know, or the just uh, – traveling seeing the world just to see what was around the next bend you know what was the next corner and that was the next best thing for me for ages but as i said as you you grow and evolve it's just um ultimately it's love that means the most to you and um uh yeah you i know that's that can be as deep and as light as you want it to be and so that's the trick of it it is, and it's writing it in a way that the listener can receive that and do what they want with it. Now, you mentioned uh, driving cars. There is a car in the video for Next Best Thing, um, and, <laughs> which was also something you made with Jay Cena, your co-director with him. Uh, there was yeah. a car involved in Long Way Around, but not in the video, so much as you and Ashley were driving around the countryside, <laughs> going yeah. to multiple locations. Where was Next Best Thing filmed? Uh, at the back of that, and the reason I laugh so much is because I've got a lot of faith in my muses, as I mentioned before, you know, and I was just going, I had a really great car lined up and about a week and a half before the film shoot, um, the fella sold it, my mate sold it. He said it was too good a deal. And I went, no worries, the muses will come through. They do, and you know, and like beat a, a train on an abandoned train line with Jay, ask me about that one or a a red Ford Falcon popping up out of nowhere. Like these, these magic things happen when you put your muses to the test. And uh, so I don't doubt anymore. I just know it's going to happen. But this was the day before and, and Ash is going, you got that car so I'm going, yeah. <laughs> nah, yeah, of course I do. And anyway, I, you know, I made a couple of calls to mates who have mates who've got mates. And um, as luck would have it, there was a, a fellow who, is a mad collector of cars and um, when I say mad collector, like a lot of cars and a lot of incredible cars and he gave us a call and he says, um, he says my, my partner who's got these cars, he, he thinks that you uh, you could have been his school teacher. <laughs> and so I was an old student of mine who's oh, wow. uh, dad collected the cars and he says, well, hey, yeah, no worries. He says, um, where are you doing the shit? And I said, up. And he said, oh, my mailman is just up the road. He says, uh, what do you want, a Ferrari? I said, a convertible. He said, well, you got a Ferrari or an old Rolls? And I went, <laughs> so effective choking. And I said, oh, the Rolls sounds great. <laughs> so the day before, he said, I'll drop around the morning. What time are you going to start? And I said, 8 o'clock. He goes, no problem. And then, uh, you know, Ash is just shaking her head at me, just going, you're kidding. And I'm just going, well, of course. Yeah. Thank you. You know, we're on track and, uh, you know, the message is out there. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun just cruising around out at Britton Morrison's uh, property out that way. And he's a beautiful family out there. They're very supportive. And working with Jay again is always wonderful. He's just such a professional and so can do. And uh, so, yeah, all the planets aligned so much so that we thought, well, why do one video in one day? So we did uh, Next Best Thing that day. And then uh, in the day, then in the evening, we went down to uh, Mount Kembla Pub where the mm. ghost of Mickey Brennan hopefully was residing. Hopefully we released him with Zane, Zane Banks, uh, who I co-wrote that song with, and we let him uh, let his spirit out there and go on to the next chapter. That was the intention. But um, I'm waiting to hear back from the public and if he's still hanging around. But uh, we got the two in the can on the one day, and uh, full credit to Jay and the energy of uh, Ash. 
Uh, and I saw you two playing the night before that at the beer shed in Limea, and uh, that was it was a fantastic show. There was a lot of energy. You were talking about filming the next day. Um, I can only imagine that when you do have a show like that, some of that energy carries through for you when you're filming. Yeah, absolutely. It was such a sh fun show, and connecting with you people out there and um, with each other, and just the love of story and laughter that you know does come out. As I said, she's very mean to me. On stage, likewise. And, um, <laughs> you know. No, oh, me, no. Uh, so it's um, yeah, it's a lot of fun playing with those people that are as annoying and as uh, kind of humorous as yourself. <laughs> um, so, as I mentioned, you are a co-director with Jay um, of these videos. Is this is this a fairly recent development, or have you always been really involved with the video making process? Always, yeah. Now, there's a very clear visual image that comes along with songwriting. You know, as you're writing, you have to be able to see it in your mind's eye what it is that you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that it's a cliche, but a picture can tell a thousand words. And when you've got three minutes or three and a half, four minutes to tell a very big story, that visual stimulus can support that lyric very strong and also... You know, a lot of my lyrics can be quite cryptic at times, which can lead the listener to kind of take a message two ways. But if you create a little, just a little flash of an image there that can kind of lead them in the right direction or to the world where you're hoping they would go, then that's job well done. So I've always been very involved in the directing and the video clips. It's just the, the equipment and the editing that is a, another career. And when you find those people that can edit and have the right cameras and the know-how and, the, you know, like in Jay's ability, that incredible catalogue of fantastic um, drone footage, et cetera, and uh, drone mm -hmm. shots, uh, then that just takes your vision to a whole new level. And then combining that vision with somebody with those skills and also add it to their vision of what they hear and see in the song, then that's just a double whammy. And um, thankfully what you've seen over the last couple of years is, um, you know, well, two for two, that's, that's pretty, pretty good going, given that we are independent and we uh, haven't got the budgets of the major labels that we're taking on during these awards. And um, so it's very satisfying, but humbling at the same time that it does work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and Fanny Lumsden, you're going to be duking it out for, for Golden Guitars for video for a while to come, I think. Um, no, you, you're working towards the release of your new album, which is called Next Best Thing. Do you have the release date planned? No, but I did do a, a photo shoot the other day, which will finalise the artwork for the, the new album, which has been one of the, the things that I've just been put, well, I haven't got the new graphics yet, but no, I caught up with a great mate of mine, a great photographer, Toby Burrows, and uh, so we've got some new uh, images in the can so we can add that to the artwork and start the push because, yeah, again, it's the, the, the platform's changed so much that people pretty much don't know what's going on anymore. So it's, it used to be just about releasing the album and sharing that as fast as you could and letting people find their own singles, et cetera. But now due to the digital platform that we listen to Spotify and iTunes and um, Apple Music, all that, uh, it's all about the single and focusing just on the single. But once that album's out, if you release it on the platforms, then there's not much interest in the single releases and uh, getting added to different playlists, et cetera, is essential to build those numbers and followings up. So it does confuse the matter and it does delay the, the release of an album. But I think it's time. You know, I think the next single will be Darawal and that yeah. that's pretty powerful and that's a good way to see the album through. 
Yeah, I've heard you play that one live and it is indeed a powerful song. Um, but I, I can only imagine when you are used to the album release cycle and, as you said, releasing them, letting people find the singles, you're holding on now to songs for a long period of time. You might have recorded these quite a while ago and, and mm. you've got to release them slowly as singles and then release the album. Does that get a little frustrating? Uh, yes and no. Like I've got other projects going on in the boil and, I, as I said, I'm still... Uh, teaching three days a week and still doing the gigs around the joint and kind of you know exploring this country of ours as much as i can so it's uh there's no real major rush i'm not trying to kick down any major doors as i once was i suppose so it's just i'm happy to go with the flow instead of trying to push it up the creek and you know up hills and stuff so no 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 stress i'll just release this album and i'm ready to kind of um, almost start on the next project that's the thing about writing all the time you just kind of go well on with the next thing i like creating i just dislike the uh the next mountains which is the the promo and the marketing and the talking and like even though i love speaking to you of course but it's um it's one of those things where you go i enjoy the uh the process of creating in studio yeah. uh, and music uh like a lot more. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand because doing this kind of thing is it's a it's a different set of activities, you know, from yeah, a different rhythm. Yeah, it's essential. Like it's really is essential to what we do. And I love people, and I love meeting kind of uh, you know anybody who shares a passion is is fascinating to me. And so uh, when you get to talk about your own passion, like with you about songwriting and kind of the way certain songs can connect or where they come from, then, hey, I can talk all day. So uh, bring it on. Well, I keep you talking all day because you probably have other things to do, but you did talk about gigs and I am going to mention that you played at Hats Off to Country in Tamworth in July and you had to change the venue because it wasn't big enough for the number of people who wanted to come and see you. How did it go, that show? Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, no, it's always wonderful to play up there. It's a different festival January um, to July, obviously, yeah. January is like a marathon, 10 days of just chaos and people and shows and just run around like chooks with heads cut off. But um, July is very relaxed. It's pretty much just going up there and reconnecting with your artist mates and seeing their shows. And, you know, a lot of the shows are on at the same time, so that gets pretty confusing because there's only, uh, you know, the Friday, the Saturday and then the Sunday. So I just thought it was the last minute that I'd throw in a lunchtime show and it was lovely. It was nice and relaxed and um just really great to reconnect with that community and the people up there and the artists that, yeah, haven't seen some of them for quite some time due to those three years that we won't mention. Yeah. Uh, but I mentioned you will be back for the marathon in January because you are a, a fixture of the January festival. Um, I think you probably play more and longer shows than a lot of other artists just because, you you know, at the Tamworth Workers Club, for example, you've you've been there for quite a while. Yeah, it's Tamworth Services Club, absolutely. Oh, it's... Yeah, no, they're, they're essential to me and uh, me being a writer and being able to do what I do because they were the first believers to give us a space just to deliver the song, the original song, as opposed to just kind of being in so many... Uh, there's not a club or a pub in that town that I haven't played and, um, and I'm really grateful for it. But the fact that we still continue to do a show each day is just a selfish thing from my perspective. People say, you got to do the one big show and make it all la da da and like exclusive... Uh, and I don't do that. I, I finally got my band together, you know, from New Zealand, all over the diff different states around Australia, and we get all together 
last thing I want to do is one show. I want to play every day and every single show is completely different and it just mm -hmm. leads us all on these journeys and we all tap into this, the joy of playing music and stories and each day the audiences are different and it, that in turn has an effect on what we play and how we feel and it's just gold and the, man I, i'd play twice a day if i had the the, <laughs> the fitness to do it but uh and i used to holy moly but uh you know it's one of those things um i just couldn't stand the thought of just doing the one or two shows it's just i'm there to tap into the joy that is tamworth and to play and tell stories and to uh have as much fun as humanly possible and we do and I wouldn't mind betting you have audience members who come to more than one show, if not every show mm. that you play. Mm. Nah, greatly humbled by our supporters and our followers. You know, we're, we're talking decades now. We're talking 25 years of just backing us, you know. Yeah. Even, even when we didn't, um, you know, think that we had a gig there, they, they'd find us somewhere. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think they back you for very good reason, Luke. That's because you your shows are always entertaining, meaningful entertainment, as I said, and also pretty hilarious. Uh, and your songs are wonderful as well. I look forward to the next song and then the album. But for the moment, we have the next best thing. So thank you very much for your time talking about it. No worries. And, I, and if you're heading down uh, Kangaroo Valley in October, I see you there. We're playing the Folk Festival down there, and that's going to be something special as well. Well, I will put the, that date and link with this interview. That'd be wonderful. <laughs> thanks, Luke. Oh, my pleasure, Stephen. Thanks for that, mate. I, my uh, phone's just about to die as per usual, but um, no, your patience with me and your support is greatly appreciated. And, uh, and thank you again for uh, all you, you do for us. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.